RTHK, the news at 11 o'clock with Andrew Shirovsky. Tonight's headlines, government in discussion with mainland authorities about doing away with health declaration forms for travelers heading north across the border. In the UAE, the chief executive John Lee pitches Hong Kong as a one-stop shop for Belt and Road Ventures, and the death toll for yesterday's earthquake in Turkey and Syria rises above 5,000. Acting Chief Executive Eric Chan says officials will discuss with their mainland counterparts scrapping the requirement for cross-border travelers to fill in a health declaration form. Officials have lifted travel restrictions and reopened all border checkpoints between Hong Kong and the mainland. But commuters still need to declare their health status and receive a black code, with some of them finding the process too complicated. Mr. Chan says he hopes this can soon be improved. We will talk to mainland authorities to see if we can enhance or even cancel this arrangement. Mainland authorities made this rule and there has to be a reason for that. We must respect that. But we will continue to voice our demands and hopefully we'll be able to reach a consensus to ensure a smoother immigration clearance. Some 280,000 people crossed the border yesterday on the first full day of the full border reopening. On government plans to build some 30,000 light public housing flats around town, the acting chief executive has appealed for people's understanding amid opposition to building about a third of those units in Kai Tak. Speaking ahead of the weekly executive council meeting, Eric Chan says the plot's earmark for light public housing will revert to their intended purpose after five years, and people should support plans to help grassroots family to meet their housing needs. During these few years, we can help possibly more than 100,000 citizens and address their desperate housing needs. I think it's worth going ahead with this project. We've received criticism from time to time that while Hong Kong is an advanced international city, how come there's still a section of the population living in undesirable conditions? So the government is taking an important step to tackle this problem. While we are taking this step, we need understanding from society. Chief Executive John Lee has described Hong Kong as a one-stop shop for providing services to Belt and Road Ventures as he continues his trip to the United Arab Emirates to promote the city. He told a business forum in the country's capital, Abu Dhabi, that the two places are strong and long-standing business partners, noting that around 10% of the trade between the UAE and mainland China was routed through Hong Kong in 2021. It goes to show that the UAE is a key link in our country's Belt and Road Initiative and that Hong Kong is an important platform connecting the country with the vast opportunities in the Middle East region. Hong Kong can join you all in supporting your Belt and Road Ventures. University of Hong Kong-led research has found that the effectiveness of both BioNTech and Sinovac in preventing Omicron infections drops substantially over 100 days after vaccination, although they can still prevent severe illness and death. Maggie Ho reports. Releasing its findings, the international research team said three and four doses of the BioNTech vaccine were 48% and 69% effective in preventing Omicron infections seven days after vaccination. But they waned to 26 and 35% respectively 100 days after the shot. 
As for the Sinovac jab, researchers said while three and four doses were 30 and 56 percent effective after seven days, that drops to six and 11 percent by the 100th day. The results, the researchers said, indicate that booster vaccination using either the mRNA or inactivated vaccine platforms is effective in preventing Omicron infections in the short term. Therefore, they said, surge booster campaigns, particularly with updated bivalent mRNA vaccines, could be strategically used to rapidly boost population immunity when there's risk of future waves of infection arising from a novel virus variant. And now the weather, mainly cloudy, visibility relatively low in some areas tonight and tomorrow morning. Temperatures will range between 18 and 21 degrees tomorrow. There will be one or two light rain patches. Moderate to fresh easterly winds occasionally strong offshore tomorrow. The outlook mainly cloudy and misty in the following couple of days. The temperature right now is 21 degrees Celsius, relative humidity 88%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is 5 minutes past 11. An accountancy firm says the government should work on its tax policy reform before asking international firms to move to Hong Kong. The firm is urging the administration to take a proactive approach in order to keep the city's tax regime up to international standards. Doris Chick, a tax partner at Deloitte China, cites how the government changed its laws after the European Union put the city on its grey list. She says proactive tax reform would help the government in getting target enterprises to set up operations in the city. We suggest that government regularly do a review on all the preferential tax regime. But most importantly, they need to release the information uh, to the public and let other uh, or uh, let people know whether they are effective and also involve experts in analyzing this data and help them to think any way to improve and amend the regime and make sure that they are more effective. The Jockey Club Center for Positive Aging has launched a three-year program to support middle-aged people with dementia. It says these patients are currently being overlooked by society. The center says almost 10% of dementia patients develop symptoms, including memory deterioration, before the age of 65. But services are prioritized for the elderly. Its director, Timothy Gwok, says younger dementia patients may face even more difficulties. Normally... They have parents to look after, they have children to look after. Another problem is at the workplace, uh, because they are still middle-aged and mostly working, they will have uh, problems in working and they will make mistakes. The colleagues need to have the awareness that something is going on and try to help the individuals to navigate this problem. The White House says it's retrieving valuable information from what it suspects to be a Chinese surveillance balloon that it shot down just off America's Atlantic coast. Beijing has repeatedly stressed that it's a civilian weather balloon, and the decision to bring it down had seriously damaged relations with the U.S. Natalie Ching reports. American Naval and Coast Guard forces have recovered some debris from the downed balloon for intelligence analysis. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said some remnants had been found on the surface of the sea. He also acknowledged criticism of the decision not to shoot the balloon down earlier. I understand there's criticism over the fact that you know it, it, it transversed the United States, but again, we we took uh, steps to mitigate whatever collection capability the balloon would have over our sensitive military sites. No, I'm not going to talk about what those mitigation measures were, but we did that because we had the time to do that 
And we also had the time to put together an effort of our own to learn about this particular balloon and what its capabilities are. And um, and we're going to get more information from the recovery. Earlier, U.S. President Joe Biden also defended the decision to wait until the balloon crossed the United States before bringing it down. It was always my position. Once it came over to the United States from Canada, I uh, told the Defense Department wanted to shoot it down as soon as it was appropriate. They concluded, they concluded we should not shoot it down over land. It was not a serious threat, and we should wait till we got across the water. Mr. Biden stressed that he doesn't believe China-U.S. relations have been affected or weakened by the incident. A day earlier, in a formal diplomatic complaint, Beijing said the U.S. action would seriously hamper progress in stabilizing relations. Meanwhile, Costa Rica says Beijing has apologized for another balloon that flew over the Central American country. According to its foreign ministry, China recognized that one of its balloons flew over the country, but insisted it was focused on scientific research, mainly weather studies. Strong aftershocks and tremors have struck parts of southern Turkey following two devastating earthquakes there yesterday. More than 5,000 people are now known to have died in Turkey and northern Syria. Since daylight, rescue teams and residents have stepped up the search for survivors under the rubble of scores of collapsed buildings. Shireen Ibrahim, the Turkey director of Care International, is in Gaziantep. She said the danger was far from over. The people are conserving uh, what they have of fuel to make sure that they're able to spend nights uh, in warm cars. So it's very difficult to get around the city. Uh, But it's clear that many of the newly established buildings themselves have cracks in them, um, power outages, of course, as a result of possible collapse um, or uh, more damage as a result of the aftershocks. The U.N. says the flow of vital aid into northwest Syria has been temporarily halted because of badly damaged roads and other logistical problems. There's currently only one land crossing into opposition-held areas, which have few functioning hospitals. The Syrian government blocks aid to rebel-controlled regions. Adelaide Marchand from the World Health Organization says the earthquake has worsened an already dire situation. Potentially 23 million people are exposed including around 5 million vulnerable populations. The movement of aid through the border into northwest Syria is likely to be or is already disrupted due to the damage caused by the earthquake. This in itself would be a huge crisis already. Two men suspected of organizing a series of crimes across Japan while in a Filipino jail have been deported from the Philippines. The Japanese pair used social media to contact criminals back in Japan to carry out robberies and fraud, mostly targeting elderly people. The BBC's Shaima Khalil reports from Tokyo. Toshia Fujita and Kyoto Imamura, along with two others, are suspected of orchestrating multiple crimes in Japan while being held at a Manila immigration detention facility. The men are facing charges for allegedly running a telephone scam, as well as organizing a string of robberies across 14 Japanese provinces, one of which has resulted in the murder of a 90-year-old woman here in Tokyo. The two countries do not have an extradition treaty, but Philippine officials said they wanted to hand over the suspects before President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. begins his visit to Japan on Wednesday. A South Korean court has, for the first time, acknowledged atrocities carried out by the country's troops during the Vietnam War. A court in Seoul ordered compensation for a Vietnamese woman injured in a 1968 massacre. The BBC's Jean McKenzie 
reports from Seoul. Around 70 people died in the massacre when South Korean Marines fired on the Vietnamese village. Nguyen Thi Tan was shot but survived while members of her family were killed. She first sued the South Korean government in 2020, asking for more than $20,000 in compensation. The government had argued the killing was justified given the circumstances of the war, but the court disagreed. It ordered the state to pay her the money with interest. Nguyen said she was delighted and that it served as consolation to those who were killed. The biggest ever collection of Vermeer paintings is going on show at the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. The exhibition brings together 28 of the 35 or so pieces attributed to the Dutch master. The BBC's Anna Holligan reports. Vermeer is best known for paintings such as The Girl with a Pearl Earring and The Milkmaid, which showcase his signature style of portraying intimate, atmospherically lit domestic scenes. Their value and vulnerability and the fact that they have become the prized possessions of many of the museums that house them mean they very rarely travel. The Rijksmuseum's first Vermeer retrospective has sold more advanced tickets than any show in the museum's history. And to sport, defending English Premier League champions Manchester City say they're surprised after being charged with more than 100 breaches of financial rules, which could lead them to being expelled from the top flight. City have been referred to an independent commission after a four-year investigation. The team claim they have irrefutable evidence on their side. Sports law barrister Ashley Cookier from Littleton Chambers says City's lawyers will be working hard to fight this. They will be working, I'm sure, very hard to respond to this uh, in the proper way because these are such serious and extraordinary charges. They will want to fight them all the way, I'm sure. If the majority of charges are dismissed but some very serious charges were to remain, it would sanction accordingly. And similarly, if there were no charges that were upheld, it would dismiss entirely. But the Commission will look at everything. The, the extraordinary aspect of this, I suppose, is that there's a 100, if not more, charges for the Commission to deal with, and that's pretty unprecedented in terms of the Premier League and its disciplinary uh, regulations. And just a reminder of our weather. Uh, forecast mainly cloudy, visibility relatively low in some areas tonight and tomorrow morning. Temperatures tomorrow will be between 18 and 21 degrees. There will be one or two light rain patches. Moderate to fresh easterly winds occasionally strong offshore tomorrow. The outlook mainly cloudy and misty in the following couple of days. It will be relatively humid with fog on Sunday and Monday. And to finish our news, a reminder of our top stories. The government's in discussion with mainland authorities authorities about doing away with health declaration forms for travelers heading north across the border. In the UAE, the chief executive John Lee pitches Hong Kong as a one-stop shop for Belt and Road Ventures, and the death toll for yesterday's earthquake in Turkey and Syria rises above 5,000. That's the news, sports and weather from RTHK. RTHK Radio Shades of night are falling It's twilight time Out of the mist your voice is calling Tis twilight time When purple colored curtains Mark the end of day I'll hear you, my dear At twilight time and a very good evening to you. Thanks for tuning in to Twilight Time with me, Peter King. 45 minutes of music from a bygone era. A chance to kick back and relax, especially if you've had a bit of a day of it. 
coming up, a good mixture for you tonight, including Gene Kelly and Etta James. But first up is a song from the Cliff Adams Singers. Together at last at twilight time You are my sunshine, my only sunshine You make me happy when skies are This is what I'd say. 